this is Trey. Thank you for joining us for another Thursday, Thursday's edition. I guess it would be plural. I don't know. Um, maybe Mary Langston knows, but we'll just say Thursdays with Trey and Mary Langston, uh, which is, of course, the day we have the privilege of entertaining your questions and doing our best to answer them, uh, ideally in a shorter time period than I usually do, um, with that and to help. And because she is the keeper of the questions, uh, we will welcome Miss Mary Langston. Well, Hey Trey, how are you? I'm doing great. I hope you are. Thank you for yes, having sir. me. I beat you to it. <laughs> you did beat me to it, but I'll say it too. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Trey. I saw Dallas is on an upswing, which is exciting. Yeah, Dallas I don't know if won. you would say ups, upswing, but I was thinking it might be one. Yeah, Dallas won. That was good. I didn't have a chance to watch it. Um, it was not on in my particular media market. Um, however, uh, Saturday was not a good day for those mm-hmm. of us who love the University of South Carolina Gamecocks. It just, and, you know, I keep going back to what I think I said a couple of weeks ago, which mm-hmm. is as disappointed as I am. I'm not a coach. I'm not a player. I'm not part of the team. I, their disappointment, I'm sure, well, I know it vastly exceeds my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We just, uh, we didn't look good from uh, from start to finish, but uh, I love Shane Beamer. I mm-hmm. am convinced that he is going to get the job done. I think he moved a little quicker than you know, some of us, or not some of us, but some people may have thought uh, going to a bowl game last year, being one game away from bowl eligibility this year, winning some games that people probably didn't think he was going to win. So, you know what happens, your expectations get sky high. And there's a reason he was brought in. Uh, there's a reason that South Carolina has not uh, been on par with, you know, Alabama, Clemson, other schools for all of my life. Um, so it's going to take some time and I need to be a patient. Um, having said all that, <laughs> Saturday was terrible. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, Dallas won. It got me out of the slew of despond a little bit, barely. And a golfer I pulled for, Aaron Badley, had a good tournament. So there are some bright spots. Uh, mm-hmm. But for the most part, the room was all dark this weekend for the most part. Mm. Well, we'll look forward to next weekend, but I did see they won. So I was excited for you for that win. Um, But we have a range of questions today, Trey. We appreciate you all for sending us your questions each week. We certainly look forward to it. I guess we'll start with our first question and it's from Greg in South Dakota. He writes, can you explain or verify what President Biden is talking about when he says the Republicans will destroy Medicare and Social Security? <laughs> oh, Greg from South mm. Dakota. I've been to your state. It's beautiful. Been a couple of times. Um, can I explain what President Biden is talking about when he says Republicans uh, will destroy Medicare and Social Security? Uh, it's Really, one of the things I dislike the most about politics, it sort of dumbs down pretty complicated issues. I'll I'll try to explain it. Republicans do well with older voters. So if you're a Democrat and you are trying to figure out how you can change that, 
Um, I don't know. Maybe we could tell them that Republicans want to take away two things that older voters rely on the most, which is Social Security and Medicare. There are arguments, if you go back in time, about whether retirement and health care are or should be the concerns of the federal government. I mean, th- those are those are arguments that took place back when they they're still, you know, in, in a theoretical sense, they're still you know, worthy of debate um, in broad strokes. Uh, there are debates to be had uh, back then and now about you know what the state should do versus what the family should do versus church, if you believe that, what church should do. But that debate is pretty well settled. Um, each of us pays into Social Security and Medicare. I mean, if you work, you mm-hmm. pay into Social Security and Medicare, and we do so with the expectation that the promises made will be kept. And again, there are arguments and debates over whether Medicare should be means tested, whether people should have to wait longer to get Social Security, because, of course, the object is not to run a deficit every single year with these two programs. Uh, we're living longer, which is good or we were actually before the pandemic, but eventually, you know, we'll start the, the life expectancy will go back up again, which means, you know, with Social Security, which was a program that went into place, I think if you were an African-American male, your life expectancy did not even get you to Social Security eligibility. Mm. So you're paying in for something that your life expectancy says you won't get anything out of. Well, thank goodness we're living longer. So you see these arguments about, you know, look, if you're if you're a female, well, like you, Mary Langston, your life expectancy, because you don't have any bad habits, and you don't do anything wrong. I mean, I hope you live to be 150, but you really should live to be in your mid to late 80s. So if you start if you start drawing Social Security at 65, you're talking about 20 years worth of drawing Social Security and the same for Medicare. So while you do pay in, particularly with Medicare, you probably are going to draw back out more in benefits than what you paid in. So you should have a conversation about how to get those more lined up from a fiscal standpoint. And there are, to be fair, some Republicans who still talk about privatizing Social Security or Medicare. There are not many, but some. So. You know, politicians do what politicians do, and they take something that has 1% of truth to it, and they spin it into a campaign ad. So, you know, Greg's word uses the word destroy. Uh, That's a negative word that conjures images in all of our minds. Um, What I might say is preserve, uh, make it solvent make it financially viable. Those are things that conjure different images in your mind. Destroy is bad. Make it viable. Long-term is good. But the word destroy is used because it's um, the purpose is to, is to get voters to either not vote or vote for the other side. So that's a long way of saying, yes, there are Republicans who may want Social Security to be private, but there are also Democrats who want everyone guaranteed a certain income. I mean, you don't like attribute that to every single Democrat running for office because a handful of Democrats think everyone in the country should be guaranteed a minimum level of income. There are some Republicans 
who want Medicare to be reformed. And there are some Democrats, one I can think of right now, who don't believe in prison. So, I mean, are we going to take the most extreme position that one member of the party has and then extrapolate and assign that position to every single other person in the party? That's why I don't like politics. And the reality is most most have accepted that Social Security and Medicare are programs that are here to stay because Americans have paid in and they are entitled to have government keep its word. And I don't expect that to change in the future. And it's certainly not going to change in my lifetime. Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Greg, for your question. Our next question is from Jenny in Georgia. She writes, what races will you be following on Election Day? Races. Well, I can tell you, Jenny, from the great state of Georgia, that in the House, I will mainly be following the numbers. Um, How big the majority winds up being, uh, I think conventional wisdom is the Republicans will retake the majority. How big that number is, because it has a tremendous impact on the breakdown of uh, committees. If it's a narrow victory, then you may have 11 members, but the Democrats may have 10 on committees. If it's a big victory, Republicans may have 18 on a committee and Democrats may have 10. So it it matters. The size of the majority matters. It also portends what life will be like for Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who, in the interest of full disclosure, you know, I'm sure people, most people already know this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I don't want to act like it's not true. Uh, he is and has been a friend for a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never alleged that he is perfect. Uh, I don't you know, with the exception of Terry and Mary Langston and maybe Sharia, I, I don't have any perfect friends. Uh, so but Kevin is my friend and um, his life will be easier if it's a big majority. So I'll be watching that. And, and by that, I mean, if the GOP has a five vote majority, then six Republicans, either out of principle or out of, you know, a less noble desire like fame or relevance can withhold their votes until they get something they want. And it just makes life very, very difficult for people like Kevin and Stevie Scalise and Elise Stefanik, who are in leadership. Um, I don't think many of the people that I knew the best from my old days in the House are in tough reelects. So I'm going to be looking at the numbers in the House. I will be looking at individual races in the Senate. I think Probably nowadays, I know more senators than I do House members or certainly have closer relationships with folks that have moved on to the Senate. So I'm going to be looking at Florida uh, for that very reason. Um, I don't know the candidates in uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio, but those are going to be close races. Um, I do know the Republican candidate in Nevada. Uh, I'll be watching that, um, how close the Republican Candidate comes in New Hampshire or Washington State because those are you know, those would be upsets, I think, if the Republican won. But kind of gives you a sense of what the night's going to be like. Um, so really, the, I think the thing to watch for a week from Tuesday or whatever day that is, November the 8th. I'm not good when I do weeks from November 8th. We'll just go with a date and a number. 
The thing to be watching for is whether this is a victory for Republicans, which could just be a repudiation of the status quo and the Democrat majority. Is it an overwhelming victory, which you could read slightly differently? Or is it a once in a lifetime kind of overwhelming tsunami, which you would read um, even more differently? So the numbers are what I'm going to be paying the most attention to. Well, thank you, Trey. And thank you, Jenny. I can't believe that November is already here. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. Our next question is from Linda in Alabama. She writes, did politics always grab your attention or did that come later in life? Well, before I get to Linda's question, can I pick up on what you said? Yes, sir. Do you like really not believe that November is here? Like you, you don't believe the calendar. Oh, you mean that? You mean that like metaphorically? That correct? Not literally, but metaphorically. Okay, so you're not arguing that October has like forty days in it, and (laughs) correct? We've all been misled. Okay, all right. Correct. Okay. (laughs) So you do believe that November is here. You just are having a hard time believing it. Yes, it was a bit of an exaggeration. I'm having a hard time believing it. You know how literal I am. Plus, I I like getting emails from people saying, how in the world could you be mean (laughs) to a robot Oh, Which is no, what they think I hope you they are. don't think I'm a robot. Yeah, they do. I get that question all the time. Is that a real person? Oh, no. Well, we're going to have oh. to show them I'm a real person. I don't know how to do that. Maybe they can send ideas, but. Uh, be mean. <laughs> be mean. Say terrible things. Uh, be mm. angry, frustrated. Uh, all of that. Just show people that <laughs> that you're like normal. You could do that. I am normal, but, you know, I don't know if I can be angry. (laughs) No, I've never seen you angry. And I don't think you are normal. And I mean that in the nicest way you can possibly mean it. So Okay, I'll take that as a compliment. It's abnormal kindness is what it is. Well, thank you. Linda from the great state of Alabama. Did politics always grab my attention or did that come later in life? Mm. Um, I think my folks would tell you I've always been interested in it, even as a kid. I think my dad was interested in it. So I followed it because he did. You know, I watched the conventions. We didn't have 24 hour news back then. So the conventions were a big deal. I remember watching those. I was Fascinated by, you know, great public speakers and, you know, not so great public speakers. I followed it a little bit in college and law school and then kind of got more into politics um, when I got out of law school because politics controls who the United States attorney is. And I wanted to be hired by a U.S. attorney. So I kind of watched and followed then much less as the district attorney, which would have been 2000 through 2010, because you know, the courtroom, I, and just tell you, prosecutors, just r- the good ones rarely, rarely, rarely think about politics. It's just, just not, it just doesn't, it literally just doesn't come up. You're, mm. you're, you don't care the politics of the cops or the victims or the defendants. You're just trying to do your job. So I went through like a decade where I didn't know what was going on, but I didn't follow it like super closely. But you had to if you're running for Congress. I mean, I remember like having these books on my bedside table 
on Social Security and health care and tax reform, because those were just for a decade or longer. I did not. I was not an expert on any of those. But if you run for Congress, you, you better get up to speed. So I had to. And now that I'm out of that, I do follow it, but not like I once did. Um, I mean, I know what the issues are, but I don't like the modern political environment. I don't think it's a healthy one. I don't think it's good for the individual or good for the country. So I don't immerse myself in it like I once did. I do know what's going on. I'd probably know more, I would say, than the average person just because I check certain news sources or websites on a regular basis just to know. And I have friends that ask me to weigh in uh, with advice, but nothing like what it used to be. And I'm okay with that. Well, thank you so much, Trey. And thank you, Linda, for your question. Our last question is from John and he writes, is the Pelosi attacker going to be let out with no bail? John, of course, uh, for those, I'm sure most people know what John's talking about. Paul mm. Pelosi, the husband of uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, was attacked uh, in their home in California with mm -hmm. a hammer and, you know, going putting back on the old job I used to have. You, you The police know a lot of things that they don't say publicly. There are also certain rules that keep prosecutors from saying certain things publicly because as strange as this sounds, uh, prosecutors have an obligation to make sure a defendant gets a fair trial. So from what we know now, um, do I think he will get no bond or no bail? Well, the purpose of bond or bail is twofold. Uh, number one, to ensure that the person returns to court when court dates are set, because keep in mind, um, you are presumed innocent. It doesn't matter how guilty the newspaper makes you seem. It doesn't matter how overwhelming. I mean, I, I remember watching the O.J. Simpson Bronco chase. And I mean, that certainly looked like a guilty guy to me. But you're presumed innocent. You're presumed innocent unless and until you admit your guilt or a jury uh, finds that each element of the offense uh, has been met beyond a reasonable doubt. So as he sits here today, legally, uh, he is presumed innocent and bond or bail is to ensure that he comes back to court if he's released on bond or bail when the court dates are set, uh, whether it be initial appearance, whether it be a pretrial conference, whether it be jury selection, whether it be the trial itself. That's purpose number one. Make sure the person comes to court when they're supposed to. Mm. Number two is to protect the public. And this one doesn't get discussed a whole lot, uh, but that's the second purpose of bond or bail is to protect the public. So I don't know the criminal history of this particular suspect. Um, so let's assume he has no criminal history. All right. What's he currently charged with? Yes, he's presumed innocent, but. To be charged means there is probable cause, not beyond a reasonable doubt, but probable cause. And the probable cause would exist for what crimes? Burglary, which is really, really serious. Assault with intent to kill, or some states call it attempted murder, really, really, really serious. 
So those are incredibly serious cases that involve violence and or the threat of violence. So I would hope that he would be detained until such time as his trial. And by detained, it means there is no bond or bail. No bond or bail is set. Now, the alternative is to set a bond that is so high, you're not realistically able to make it. So when you hear bonds been set at $5 million, most people cannot make a $5 million bond. That's tantamount to being detained. You're just going to be in jail until your court date. I hope he's detained. I think anyone who hits another person in the head with a hammer is a threat to public safety, and the bond should reflect that. Um, whether bond will be set very high or whether it will be denied, we shall see. But the other lesson here um, is an obvious one, I think. We know about this case because he assaulted the spouse of someone who's very, very, very well known. There are people charged with assault, violent assault every day in this country, but their victims are not well known. They're not household names. So what about those defendants? I mean, what about those victims? I mean, shouldn't we protect the rest of us? from people who would hurt us regardless of whether they're well-known or regardless of whether they have attacked well-known people. Mm -hmm. And I say that to say, not just the person who is accused of attacking Paul Pelosi. I don't, I mean, Jenny, Jenny in Georgia or Linda in Alabama or John and the state that he hails from or Greg from South Dakota, any of the people that 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 ask us questions today, I hope that they are living in a community where there is not this kind of violence. Mm -hmm. But chances are there is some violence. And even if the victim is not well known and the crime doesn't receive a lot of attention, you still should always factor in those two things. Get the person to come back to court when they're supposed to and not abscond. And number two, protect the public. If you're going to hit someone in the head with a hammer, not even the head, you're just going to hit somebody with the intent to cause serious bodily injury or death with a hammer. Then I would tell the prosecutor, move quickly, get this case ready for trial. If I were the judge, I would say move quickly because I'm going to leave this defendant in jail until the trial date. It's a threat to the public. I'm not going to take any chances. I'm not going to leave him in jail for three years while the prosecutor sits there and twiddles his or her thumbs. So I'd say to the prosecution, I'm setting this for trial. You be ready, but I am detaining this defendant until the trial. That's the way I would resolve it. And that's, I think, what will happen. Well, that was well said, Trey. So thank you for answering all these questions today. And thank you to our listeners for sending all these questions. Yes, thank you. And you need to put on your thinking cap and find a way. So I'm not asked at the airport. Mm. Uh, is Mary Langston a real person? You need to find a way to <laughs> uh, communicate and or prove to people that you uh, are a very, very unusual person, but you are a real person. I will have to Find put on my thinking cap for that. Yes, sir. We'll work on it and we'll see if we have any um, answers next week. 
Hey, have you heard? They got this brand new thing out. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you've heard of it yet or not. Have you? Have you heard of TikTok? <laughs> yes, sir. I'm surprised that you know, but I guess your children probably tell you about it. So you have heard of it? Yes, sir. Have you heard of? Uh, is it Twitter? 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 <laughs> Twitter? Yes, sir. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Insta. Instagram. <laughs> That's right. Look at you. You know exactly what it is. Right. So you could do something on one of those platforms and prove to people that you're a real person. That's true. All right. We'll put some thought into that. In the meantime, I'll put some thought into it. I'm going to draw up some uh, plays for Shane Beamer and send them on down to him. Try to help <laughs> help with our offensive doldrums, although. Mm-hmm. My guess is that guy hadn't been sleeping a whole lot lately. I know he wants yeah. to do well. So I'll be pulling for him on Saturday, God willing. And I'll see y'all next Thursday, God willing, if I'm around. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 